0: Hi and welcome everyone. Welcome to HPM Wellness and podcast Pursuit of Wellness and I'm your host Daria Tiesler. Today's podcast is just amazing. I'm so excited to have this uh, gentleman in front of me or next to me. Um, His name is Nick Nick Daniel and uh, we're basically going to pick the topic of health optimization, performance optimization, but we're going to speak a lot about movement and why moving or moving well is important for you to be kind of well, to be good, to give your best shot in life. So once again, Nick, uh, welcome to, uh, to my podcast and thank you for coming and being so kind to share your knowledge with us.
1: Absolutely no problem.
0: Good, Nick. Uh, let's
1: start here. Let's uh, to those one who does not know you. Tell us uh, more about you. Who is Nick Daniel? Okay, I absolutely hate this. It's normally me asking that question <laughs> to other people. So, Nick Daniel, uh, been in the industry a long time. So, I started playing high-level rugby, and I, I just loved the sport, high-level rugby, when I was younger, athletics, been training my whole life, since the age of, what, I don't know, 10 years old, I was always into looking after myself, and it was just one of those things where I got to the point where my rugby career wasn't going to happen the way that I wanted it, because as I'm quite old, the... Um, professional realism was only just starting that's how old i am so <laughs> professional rugby was only just starting to pay money so they're bringing all the kiwis and aussies over and it wasn't much money in it so i didn't get what i wanted so i was kind of like just um hanging around really just kind of like oh what do i do and the gym that i was training in two three times a day um literally was like hey wh- why don't you maybe thought about doing fitness instructor personal trainer i was like And this was back in the days when personal training wasn't a thing. Like personal training back then was a couple of bodybuilders in certain gyms, a couple of meatheads who just, people went up to them and said, hey, can you train me? It wasn't really a thing back then. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll just, I'll do it. I'll give it a go. Um, And it stuck. I absolutely loved it and i was one of those again how old i am i think i did i think body pump is i think it's on like i don't know what number body pump is but i I actually was there at body pump like three or four i was there teaching body pump in my lycra shorts my tight vest my (laughs) bandana I, i had i had the whole outfit so i had all that on and i was teaching my classes packed out i was doing my spin classes I, I, I was a, I was a fitness instructor um, then doing it and then led into personal training and everything. But um, yeah, I remember those days, but anyway, so that was kind of like, yeah, that, that's kind of me. And then 20 years, I don't know how deep you want me to go into stuff. Um, and yeah, 20 years then kind of I've shot by various things here and there. Um, and now I'm at uni. Well, I've, started, I've got my fitness levels business, helping people achieve awesome things, um, which I don't think they could have achieved, but also getting them out of injury while achieving awesome things. And I'm at uni, um, in my, going into my 40s, doing osteopathy. So, um, yeah. It's just kind of like... human baseball. background
0: Thank you so much. It's very inspiring. And to be honest, this is how... I think I remember you and how I. Will, if I had to describe you exactly, uh, this is how I would describe you. Person who is motivated, inspired, a little bit quirky, a little bit funny, a little bit, um, you know, there is something to do here, there is some business, I want to come up, I want to shine up and I want to bring my uh, potential because this is the way I remember you from the first day when you walked to the gym at, at my performance uh, back in city many, many years ago, right? Uh, and I remember uh, how did you, uh, you know, you rock, you sky, uh, you brought lots of uh, great value to to uh, UP at that time. And now uh, you still bring lots of value and to people, to your clients, but I think also to other uh, trainers because... Um, I think the podcast you're running right, is also focusing on them, to showing them and helping them to bring their best in the camps you've been doing as well were focusing on education and development of trainers. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so yes. I'm doing the mentorship now, the Rebel mentorship with what well, I'm building, my little Rebel crew. And um, basically, that's just taken the last 20 years of knowledge and taking what i think is useful and taking out the stuff which i think is because the thing about trainers and the thing about fitness in in the general public and with trainers the problem is there's so much information we get so baffled and confused by it and i and what happens is people are trying to do too much complicated things off the bat they're trying to be an expert they're trying to do really fancy stuff to begin with rather than just going no no no. okay we've got to start here this is the stuff what kind of makes sense it kind of works it it's the basics that when we got this and we got, going you know then we move on um it's like if you said to if you said to a trainer what's high blood pressure what damage does it do they don't know But then they've paid 20,000, they paid like 10 grand to do a biomechanics course to learn what the big toe's doing at a certain angle. It's like, you're missing things here. There's a lot of stuff you have to learn before you go down into these weeds. And um, I just think a lot of people, and the general public, because they read magazines, intermittent fasting, they read this, they read that. And it's all of a sudden, it's like, okay, let's just come back. Let's just take a little bit of a start, take a breath. Let's come back to what we need to know. And then I'm not saying this is all we need to know, but this is the stuff which makes a difference. This is the stuff you kind of need to know. And then we can build and we can move on. It's like building a house. You need the foundations and then you build all the other stuff and you, you know, you put the, you build the house and then you put all the heated floors and you put the fancy TV in, and you put, you know, all this kind of stuff. So that's what the mentorship is basically. It's just kind of like bringing people back, saying, "Okay, this is going to help you and your clients. This is what it is." And then I'll build upon that on my on like a level two and maybe a three, or whatever. But yeah, it's just kind of I'm just trying to bring back a bit of sensibility into things, really.
0: I think uh, you know we both coming from the same angle because uh, we both more or less the same age, right? And uh, we remember times of the gyms where those things were not existing i remember where TRX did not exist where Bosu did not exist <laughs> right you just had pure dumbbells without uh, things and fancy stuff around and i the same with nutrition the same with any lifestyle recommendations it's just basic foundations so i kind of get you and i believe uh, same as you that um we missing that part and many many trainers has to come back to basics and things of think of basics that basically create the human body and how body moves as we're going to move on now or how body digests or how body, I don't know, repair, right? There are basics, right? Sleep okay. digestion, uh, you know, recovery, uh, right. And we they need to remember about that as well as clients, as you mentioned, when they're reading
1: magazines you know yeah and and that's the thing like the the social media has got a bit of an issue with it because we've people that are trying to push themselves and advertise themselves so what's happening now is that people are trying to shine out on social media by being trying to be really fancy and thinking they have to know xyz to get clients and to help people so everyone's trying to stand out on social media by trying to be the expert and trying to be better, you know, where that's a, I, I can understand that. But at the same time, people have to realize it's, you know, a normal gen pop client there might be certain other things that you might be handy um, to know. And it's just trying to, just, as I said, they think that it's fancy and they think they're going to get business up here, but actually all their business down here, and then knowledge needs to be down here first before they can start. They want to be educators. They want to, it's like you've been in the business two years. What do you mean you want to be an educator? The educator should yes. have 20 years experience. They've been there. They've done it because yes. the one thing what people don't understand more than anything, like science is fantastic. And like you said, there was the you know posture and all that kind of stuff. When we started, it was kind of around, but it was very, very, um how do i say it is the thinking process was so neanderthal it was like so basic it was too simple and science has come and it's it's created some amazing things in our in our industry but the problem is what a lot of people are forgetting is that a lot of this stuff is intuition it's the gut feeling it's that kind of like when you see someone in front of you and you're like do you know what i'm gonna do xyz and they're like oh why that i'm going i don't know Oh, you kind of know. You kind of have an idea from the science expect, but it's a gut feeling that that is going to actually make them feel better, or that's going to help because intuition of a of a human being. And, I, and that's the thing what people miss is that coaching skill, which takes years to build. It's the intuition, and it's like when I say when I when I do online clients, like I'll I'll get them to send me videos of them training, and I'll just literally say I'll just. Squeeze your, squeeze your hand harder, or I want you to rotate onto your, your big toe and bend your big toe, or stretch your big toe on your right foot for me. And all of a sudden, their movement's better. Now, it, that, that's taken 20 years for me be, to be able to see someone with a rubbish camera on the other side of the gym film themselves at a really bad angle for me to see what's going on in their movement to such a minute detail but then you get all these other trainers are coming in trying to do that with only a year of experience and people are forgetting experience to you know, experience trumps most things. As long as you're educated and you keep educating yourself, experience is like, Oh, you can't beat it. Um, and that's the one thing a lot of people forget. So they're just trying to jump like 10 levels. They're trying to, it's like a computer game. They're on level one. They're trying to find the keys and the passwords and the cheats you know, the little cheat you used to get to like jump to the last level to beat the boss, but then they can't beat the boss because they haven't actually learned the skills to beat them. And it's like that in our industry. Everyone's trying to find that password to get to the top level without putting the work in, which in a day is not going to last. You
0: you know, Nick, you're talking so uh, big stuff here. And I think that's also be working um, uh, with a recording with uh, Umar Malik um, that I've done just a few days ago. Um, And the question was, uh, we were discovering um, what is missing or what is essential and missing essential from holistic body transformation. And we were a little bit discussing both sides, side of client and side, side of personal trainer or coach. And, the, and you mentioned the skill of listening yourself and the skill of going with gut feeling and going with your intuition. Because I think there is so much descripti- description mm. in the industry happening right now. And we forgetting that we actually human as a trainers and we working with human and we have all this necessary um hearings and senses that are going to enable us to even if we don't know but maybe we're going to know but as you said then you would experience you with education and over years you are building this beautiful uh, um portfolio of stuff right but yeah. i think as you said uh, you know uh, uh, we all have to wait for experience we can educate ourselves but we cannot forget that we actually and we have our gut feelings. That's a big, deep uh, conversation here. And probably we no, wouldn't be able to I, keep
1: talking love, about that, right? I love it. And, and the thing is, it's like, this, I use a couple of examples. I, I had a client who, he just texted me a few things. Like it was, I don't know, a few things he texted me. I can't remember off the top of my head. And it was nothing specific. <clears throat> and I just went, okay, I've got you. And he just sent me back a few question marks. And um, the next day, I kind of just, I kind of adapted his program slightly. And he just, he done it. And he was like, he was like, oh, shit. This was fantastic. I've got my, I'm loving my training. I've got my passion back and X, Y, Z. It's because he didn't ask for a program change. He didn't ask for anything. He didn't even say anything about training. But it was a couple of his questions and the way that he was asking the questions this is over text. I knew that I had to just ramp things up slightly. I had to excite him again. And within a couple of days, I got that message saying, you know, holy crap, I'm loving it. I'm back in this, blah, blah, blah. But that was because of my gut, my intuition and and the way I've been coaching now for 20 years. I I, kind of like to think I'm no people by now. And it was just, I knew that I needed to just change things up for him. And that was just—it's just one of those little things, and you know. But I had to give a bit more volume to him. I need to make it a bit more fun, and I don't mean throwing things around. I just mean I had to give him a pump, or I had to basically give him some arms and delts. Just get, you know, just get some dolphins flying, just get some blood flowing, and he, and it got his passion back for it again, which he was starting to dwindle off. And you know, so it's just knowing people, but it's also another client I had in mind, who is a female who's got Graves disease and so she's got issues with her thyroid so I've had to do a lot of men like with her I'm having to hold her back all the time because she's seeing other people younger girls as well you know cr- killing her on Instagram and wants to get leaner and leaner and leaner now this lady she's in her full like coming up to the 40s with two children and she's a top professional and I'm like and she's got thyroid issues and I'm just like okay so I've been training them for quite a while now, like a, year, a couple of years, or whatever. And I'm all, basically my job is literally to hold her back because she always wants to do more, more, more. Because in, in going back onto what we were saying about that, the, the um, these transformations and weight loss, why people don't think about the health side of things, it's because it's education, it's knowledge. Because not many people know how the high levels of stress going to affect the thyroid. They don't know how it's going to affect um, the brain for anxiety. They don't know the low level of inflammation, how that's going to affect the brain, the thyroid. They don't understand how cutting someone's calories down to 900 calories when they've got a thyroid issue, they've got a highly stressed life is going to affect them. Because that's it's, it's in-depth stuff, as you know. And... It takes time to learn this stuff. So I've, I've, she came to me because the first time I met her, I, like, I, I kind of knew something was going on straight away. And I was like, okay, like, so I spent a long time um, with her, working for her to hold her back. And I've now, she's now, uh, now it's, they're seeing someone to talk about their mind because that's a massive thing. I've told her to get rid of everyone off um, Instagram, all these girls she's watching you know, cutting calories and all these people doing this and that. Because that's a, that's a complete head, head screw. Watching these people, these younger, it's, it's again, it's a generalization, but a lot of females watching these younger girls run around saying, eat less, train three times a week. It's like, okay, you live with mummy and daddy, you've got a trust fund. And then, you know, you've got no stress. You've got a nice little life, but you know, here, you're, you're 40, you're, with two kids with high stress and the thyroid issue and you expect me to give you the same diet as this and this is what people don't understand so driving someone's nutrition down driving someone's stress down people don't understand actually training three times a week for like 45 minutes and going for more walks and eating more food actually will help her lose more weight yeah yes but what's that's not magic people think it's magic because all these trainers on social media are like oh yeah i've got this person it's like well no it's not magic it's just a bit of science um but it's also a situation of working with that mind like to get someone a female in her 40s let's just face facts and again i don't want to i'm not want to offend anyone but females in their 40s have grown up with media and men exactly and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even joking like Men, mind my language, are assholes. Um, I'm, I really hate the way that men do, you know, uh, like uh, my wife's in business, as you know, and the way that I've seen the mentality of men, the media, and always because I'm really aware of how um, it goes towards females, and I hate it. Yes, it, does, it, it all happens to men as well, like men now in magazines with abs. I grew up in the 80s when all men, were jacked. That's why I have to be big. Like I want to put muscle back on. Because in my head, it's been drilled into me from a young age. Everyone was jacked back in the 80s when I was growing up, in cartoons, even the turtles were huge. Um, and then so but anyway, Matley girls, girls have had it drilled into them about being skinny, about eating nothing, and calories, 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 cardio, cardio, cardio. So it's not just a case of saying to someone, do XYZ, you've then got to fight the battle of the mind because again we're dealing with a human so again you've got the mindset side of things and ask, ask, ask when the human interaction comes in so that's what I was saying about the knowledge and the health and the where the wellness and the health, health is in the industry at the moment these transformations to know to be able to deal with a person a human being to know the mindset to have empathy with that person to get that person to trust you then to have the knowledge to know what's going on with their physiology, their psychology, and their biomechanics takes a long, long time. So my issue I've always said with the industry, I do not mind people being rubbish. Because you start to, everyone's rubbish when they first start anything. Everyone, it's, it's life. You are rubbish, you're a beginner. That's the whole point of being a beginner, is that you're rubbish and you have a lot to learn. But my, what annoys me is when you've been in industry 10 years and you're still rubbish and you haven't opened a book for 10 years or you haven't tried to be better. That's all I ever care about is trainers in our, or any therapists, even therapists can be just uh, our worst probably to be honest with you. You know, people just want to be better. I want to help people. And you can tell the people who are in it to help people. You can tell people who are in it to have an ego rubbed and you can tell the people who want to do it just for the money. And our industry lacks the people who are honestly in it to help people. I honestly feel, and that's the difference because if you're always like, you know, someone I know you're like this because back in the days of the old um, gym we used to work at at UP, I know that if a we'll sit there discussing some in-depth things you know, would sit there and go, if I wasn't getting it, and I know you're like this, if I don't get a result with a client, I don't just go, oh, well, I literally lose sleep over it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> why, what is this happening? I, I was reading up to what last night, <laughs> it was about half past 10 and I was still trying to work out the connection between the phrenic nerve and the trigeminal nerve in the fate. Like, cause there's some kind of connection. I read, I read, a, I read something which sent me down a rabbit hole. So I was just trying to understand. I was reading this study about five or six times last night, trying to understand this. But as I said, this is like, I know you're like that. And that's the kind of people which we want to change. We, we want to change industry. We want to help people. We just want, I just want to be, I want to be that person to fit. You know, people can't fit, get fixed. They come to me and I know I can help them. And, that just takes time and effort and a and a passion to really just be good at what you do to help people.
0: I think, uh, Nick, you know, listening you, uh, to you, and um, I've been also thinking that sharing this behind the scenes of true personal training mind a mindset is very beneficial for clients because and customers because. I think people, once they employ therapists, trainer, nutritionists, and whatever, they just reading few <laughs> reviews, some uh, basic stuff, uh, graduation, which schools they're coming from, what, what schools they finish, uh, apologies, and that's it. Because you cannot really know more. But this sharing behind the scenes is big because I want to educate people who are in quest. For a practitioner who truly wants to help them, uh, and you mentioned that they need to start to ask questions how, what, when, uh, once they are in the process, if something does not work and they intuitively know this, they have to be like that listen, this is not working. There is something, you know, there is something missing here, right? Don't be afraid to ask those questions because. This either does not have a trainer because person who is not uh, challenged is not going to progress because they think uh, all is fine, right? So yes. I really want to um, say thank you for sharing this deep stuff uh, to awake I hope many trainers, practitioners as well as many customers.
1: Yes. To be honest Me, yeah, so I, Yes, on, on that, I, I would say. The problem that is, as you said, the problem with the industry is also that clients don't take responsibility for it. So people listening who are clients out there, if you're not hiring a friend, you might be in that might, but generally a lot of people, you're hiring someone to help you get to your health, fitness, um, physique goals or whatever. And the fact of the matter is the amount of people, it's like when you say, what's your trainer like? Oh, they're awesome. Or how do you know? And then you say, okay, how do you know? And it's like, just because you get on with them doesn't make that person awesome. And now what annoys me is you have to think, okay, I've heard stories through the lockdown and it's been like, um, trainers not getting back to clients for like three weeks, not getting back to clients for like, you know, checking in once a month. It's like, to me, it's, if you don't hear if you message your trainer and you don't hear back within four or five days get rid of them if you aren't if you message your trainer unless it's stated right at the beginning of your training that you're you know you only hear from them once a month cool but if you're messaging them if you've been promised contact if you are messaging them don't expect the quality of service if you go to your lawyer, if you go to your tax man and he he puts in his tax, your taxes late, you're going to be pissed. You're going to sack him. You don't go, Oh, he's a good guy. If I've just been fined 2000 pounds, for some reason in our life, people only put money as a factor of like, you know, at the moment, don't go out for COVID you'll die. So everyone just goes out. Don't go out. You get fined. No one goes out. As soon as you put money into it, people for some reason, um, don't change. And you just got to think to yourself, you're paying this person to get you your goal. Have you achieved your goal? Are you still in pain? Have you only lost a little bit of weight? Do you hate your diet? Do you hate your lifestyle and your trainer won't change it? Is your chain trainer actually helping you achieve your long-term goals? You know, and and set out your guidelines. Make sure you're hitting your guidelines. Be responsible for it. Your trainer is responsible, but so are you. And too many too many clients letting their trainers get away with being crap. And the industry is not going to grow and uh, become more professional with better trainers until clients take a bit more responsibility of what they do with their money. Um, yes, yes, yes. And I I just do feel that. Anyone out there listening who is a client, expect a level of service from your trainer, and and expect what you get, you know, what you're paying for.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. But also, as as we both uh, both mentioned, uh, make sure that you are uh, your own advocate of health and wellness, and you do your part instead of just uh, pushing a everything on your trainer so be responsible for your own uh, actions right yeah. we're going to move a little bit away from this very deep conversation into movement um, because say because my question is to, to you uh, here is moving or moving well and what does it mean moving well? important for health optimization and performance optimization because you said one thing at the start that i help clients to move better so they performing the best they can uh, in their life and that is what is ultimate goal for me also as a practitioner right it's not just moving but it's moving so i am fulfilling my human potential
1: so, what is your, you know, deep
0: reflection on that? Okay, <laughs> that obviously deep quite... question.
1: Uh, Nick, it's a deep question. <laughs> yeah. What we have to break, we've got to kind of break it down in the sense of the first things first is um, to get out of chronic pain, unless you are unless you actually do have a autoimmune kind of disorder or something. You know, we we shouldn't be in constant pain. Like, don't get me wrong. You should have a bit of knee pain. You should have a bit of back pain. It's just life, you know, especially if you're training. If you're training, do you know what? You're going to have niggles. You're going to have injuries because we're not made to do certain things. People think we are, but we're not. We're not made to put 200 kilos on our back. We're not made, you know, to do all the things we do in the gym. We're not. So we're going to get little niggles. We're going to get things. So that's fine. I don't mind that. But it's when you get to the point where I had a client who came to me because in the gym, they were lifting heavy weights, but then he couldn't even pick his child up, you know, because he bent over and his back was in agony. He couldn't even walk down the street because his knee was in so much pain, but yet he would go into the gym and still squat with wraps because he was still training. So to me, it's a case of being able to do your everyday life without pain. As I said, I want to make sure everyday life you can get through. You're not in chronic pain. You're not in pain. You know, we do get little twinges here and there, but that's fine. And then I need to be like, okay, so you want to go to the gym. You want to look good or you wanna, you're playing rugby or you want to run a marathon or whatever it is. I then need to know like uh, everyday life needs to be sorted. Then I move on to the next phase. So when it comes to like the movement, what, one thing people have to realize is that pain is inevitable and, and your body will be a little bit of pain here and there and pain to different people's different things. The only problem is, is that trainers and, but mainly therapists have scared people about pain and movement. It's like, Oh, when I do this, it hurts. Well, we can't do that then. Don't bend over. You've got to think about this. It's like the body's supposed to move fluidly. It's supposed to just bend over. You're supposed to flex the spine. You're supposed to do X, Y, Z. So people are scared of moving half the time. Well, actually, I can tell you something right now. If something hurts, if a movement hurts you, that's the movement you should do. But we have to find why that movement is hurting you and we have to just do a different adaption and build back up to that movement. But, you know, we should be able to bend over with our back bent and pick your child up. That shouldn't uh, at a certain weight. We should be able to do that, you know? And so we have to learn about, we've got to basically go, right. So where are they in their movement? What's hurting them? We need, you know, someone knees hurting. Okay. And they've been told to stop doing their sport they love. The thing is, if you tell someone to stop doing something they love, then two things will happen. One, they'll ignore you and just continue down that road and be in pain and try and find someone else, someone else you can fix them. Or they're gonna stop doing a the sport they love and they're gonna be bloody miserable and go down a very negative route. They might start eating themselves happy, drinking themselves happy. So because they've got a bit of a knee issue, you've gone, don't do that. They're unhappy. And now they've got other health issues because a lot of therapists don't even train themselves, which baffles me. Absolutely baffles me. Talking about health and fitness and telling people to stop moving when they don't even know how to move themselves. That's one of my biggest gripes. I can go into a rant about that later. But (laughs) so with movement, I have to make sure they can do their everyday lives first. Then I, then I have to build upon that to get them to do what they love doing and what they want to achieve in life. Because we can all achieve really cool things, and I think everyone should strive to do cool stuff with their body, um, see what their body can do. And, but first, we just have to get a few things right. Again, lay the foundations to then move forward.
0: And um, they are thank you, Nick. And they are any uh, lifestyle. Um, I don't know triggers that you might share with uh, our audience that actually will uh, further trigger the dysfunction in movement?
1: Well, I don't know about lifestyle, but the first thing I always start with is the breathing. So you can call that lifestyle. You can call that training or whatever. It's it works just, perfectly well with lifestyle. The, the first thing I will always look at is the breathing. Now, because what it's like I hear is, you know, the most, everyone talks about primal movement in oh yeah you got to be able to squat you got to be able to lunge it's like well the first thing you have to be able to do is breathe because you die you know i've never heard of anyone die because they can't squat but if your body can't if your body cannot breathe can get oxygen in the body and transfer that oxygen you are going to die your body will adapt to any way it sees fit to make sure you can breathe then your body will adapt to make sure that you can eat and see over the horizon. That is us. That is literally because if we can't do that, we die. So our body will adapt to our whole entire shape, our posture, our movement. It will adapt everything to make sure we can stay alive. Full stop. So breathing is, is a, it goes back to, as I said, the mammalian brain. It goes back to our survival instinct. So if we're breathing around 21 to 24,000 times a day, you can imagine if we're doing that incorrectly, the effect that it's going to have on our body. So what I want to look at is to make sure our breathing mechanics, and when I say breathing mechanics, are functioning properly, I'm basically looking at the diaphragm and the thorax. I want these two structures to be efficient in their movement Because if the thorax and the diaphragm aren't functioning, you can basically say goodbye to your body's function. Because with that, the shape of your thorax will change the way that your pelvis sits. It'll change the way that your thoracic spine, your cervical spine, your lumbar spine. If your thorax is out of whack, that's going to literally change the shape of your whole body then if your diaphragm's not functioning properly, that doesn't, it, it, that again, that changes the shape of the thorax, which then changes the shape of the body. But also we're looking at a stabilization of the body as well. We're looking at blood flow. We're looking at oxygen exchange. The amount of oxygen we get into our body comes through that. We're looking at the blood flow, the lymph, um, lymph drainage. And as I said at the beginning, when I went down some deep holes last night, bloody, you know, learning about, the other connections the diaphragm has into the brain, into the back of the neck, which is just in um, the jaw, trigeminal nerve, the eyesight, all these crazy things, which is a massive rabbit hole I'm going to be going down. But, it just, but to begin with, going back, it just changes the shape of that thorax, changes the way that we get air into our body. So then our body's going to change things. And as you know, and this is just an overall insight into everything then if your body is trying to get the air into us, what we can then do is go into this state of hyperventilation, which then turns us into a state of sympathetic. We turn on our sympathetic nervous system, then that jacks up this ventilation system again. And it's a vicious circle of going back around, 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 of just basically being stressed out. And then we have all the things which then the sympathetic nervous system does, which aren't good either. So, from a mechanical point of view we have to look at how the thorax and the diaphragm is making the body the shape of the body and then the shape of the body dictates takes the movement the physiological side of the thorax and the diaphragm is the air exchange into our body and out the body and also the fluids around the body and then we've got the psychological change of then know, renewal, sorry, renewal change of the autonomic nervous system. But then we also then have the psychological mental side that if we're in this sympathetic nervous system, that jacks up anxiety. But also if we were to look at the low level stress of the cortisol and the way that the cortisol is actually, there's a lot of, we have a lot of uh, more receptors in our frontal cortex for the cortisol so then that's when we get this kind of scrambled, foggy, can't make decisions kind of thing as well. So with just breathing, I'm not, and, you know, I hate saying breathing because it turns into this, people think it's just going to be hippie talk about meditation. <laughs> I'm not. As we said, we have this massive change of things we have to look at. And just from that one movement of breathing, all these, everything I just said, it affects every system in the body.
0: Uh, You know, Nick, I, what I want to point here out uh, is how is this, what you just said important for every single client who comes at the gym, walks in at the gym, stressed out, busy job, uh, running business. It is what you said is like, um, Anxiety and depression is not a project deficiency, it's similar here. This is not deficiencies of squat or deadlift that you are where you are. But start with this prime movement, as you said, and I love here that you name breathing movement because I often uh, tell clients as a lifestyle suggestion go and walk because while you're walking, you're breathing and you're moving and you're allowing your body to you know, support all the physiology and biology really of of human being. So um it's a great tip for everyone, right? When you walk in, you're searching for body transformation or you are searching for health. Start from breathing and see what your trainer does about it, right? If it's opening you up or it's closing your back with a bench press.
1: <laughs> Basically yeah and that's the thing when someone walks in like so breathing drills, I, I don't know, breathing drills aren't just uh, what people think they are of just breathing, they're just, you know, meditating or something at the beginning. Breathing drills are technically something more about putting your body in the correct position, like I said. So how it affects someone coming in. If someone is high stress and they've had a really hard week and everything, or their neck musculature. Is all tightened up, their diaphragm is contracted, it's stressed out. Then they're gonna have this kind of like wider, you know, the um the rib's gonna be a bit more flared out, you won't be able to brace as well, your pelvis is gonna be out of shape, but your pelvis is gonna basically affect the lower limbs. Then you're gonna have um the the way the thorax is sitting is going to affect your shoulder motion. So your Uh, your shoulder pain and your shoulder range of motion, the fact you can't, you can't shoulder press above your head might be coming from the fact that you're highly stressed, your breathing uh, mechanics are slightly off. Your thorax is holding a different shape. So therefore you can't move the scapula around the thorax. Therefore you can't get the humerus on the scapula properly, making some kind of pain. Now that could be, you know, so we've got to, as I said, it's the positioning of the thorax and the position of the skeleton to give those muscles, um, ways of working. And so that will affect stuff. Then you have, as you said, if you're highly stressed out, we're not going to be getting oxygen around the body. We're not going to be able to get oxygen into the cells as efficiently as we should be able to. So therefore you try and train, you'll be knackered and tired very quickly. So you won't be doing as many reps. And if you can't do as many reps, you get where normally you might do twelve reps. This time you get into six or seven. You start running out of oxygen. You start to get more tired. Then what happens is your technique starts to go a bit more, you, and you have a few more injuries because you're training when you're so stressed, you can't get the oxygen, you're tiring quicker. So therefore, your positioning and your technique is going. So therefore, we get a little, you know you get little niggles and everything. Your focus and concentration when you're highly stressed, like I said, we're not getting oxygen to tissues, creating ATP, your nervous system and that needs energy as well. Your brain, as I said, the stress in your brain is going to tie you out. It's going to you know, have that issue. If you're not sleeping, that's going to affect how we're training as well, the stress and everything. So when you think about the stress and the breathing, as I said to you, the two main things, it is that it's the position that they are you know, you're in. So, like I said, with the rib cage, if the thorax, if the if your diaphragm's contracted through stress, what's going to happen? You're going to have your ribs are going to be flared, and you're going to put into and the thorax is going to be tilted back, which is then going to create the ribs won't be able to move, the thoracic spine will be stuck. So you'll get this upper back pain. Maybe you you know you won't be able to have a rotation. Your upper back might be tight across your back. Your neck might be tight because now what's happening, your ribs should have this like expansion, the lateral expansion at the sides and at the top, they should expand. So when people, when people, trainers go, don't breathe through your chest, we want to breathe through our chest. We don't want to breathe through our shoulders. We don't want an elevation of our shoulders, what people do. But we actually do want our, our upper ribs to move. So we want the ribs to expand. We need the ribs to move. So the first thing I look at is always that rib movement. Because if the ribs don't move, this is where people get confused now. This is where people don't quite know this. If the ribs don't move, the thoracic spine won't move. So if you're trying to create extension and doing all these thoracic mobilizations, thread the needle, foam roller, you know, preacher, you do all these kind of things, If your ribs aren't moving, if your your thorax is not moving, hasn't got the elasticity that we want, your thoracic spine won't move. And then you've got all these muscles in your neck, your scalenes, at the back of your neck and everything else, which if your ribs aren't moving, your body has to um, create some way of getting the air in. So what's it do? It'll do two things. It'll either lift up the upper ribs as in completely upwards, it won't have this nice little kind of like expansion. It will just have this lift, which will try and create the the um, room for the air to come in. So that will make all these things kind of tight. The other thing it will do, it'll create you to kind of like as you breathe. If like you ask them to breathe in, you sometimes see them lean backwards. It's because if they haven't got any extension in their thoracic spine because their thorax is stuck and leaning back already, they only one of the better ways of doing it is instead of doing this. They have created this movement to get the air in, which then gives them a low back pain or stiffness in their lower thoracics. So even just looking at, and so if you try and do that, you're coming off a stress day, you've been at a desk all day, you're breathing you know, for the last few days, you've been stressed. These things start happening, or if just chronic stress, you've got a stressful job and you've got these back aches, you've got this upper back stiffness or a low back stiffness or the neck stiffness or pain without looking at the way someone is breathing or correcting that position, you're going to end up being limited in what you can do in the gym. All these people spending hours trying to find ways of squatting or trying to find ways of getting someone to do an exercise. If we revert back to this positioning, as I said, if the thorax is in the right position, if the thorax is in the correct position, that will put our head in the correct position and our hips. And it, it all kind of stems in this thorax. Then our hips will be in the correct position, and you'll find it easier to then coach. Your clients won't get so stressed because you know every client gets frustrated when they can't do something. It's just life. It's human nature. So then everyone's happy. You correct the position, you get someone out of pain, their movement improves and everyone's everyone's happy and everyone's a winner because it, it's it's bracing you know when it comes to, it's stability if we can create this pressure system which is breathing inside us if we improve create that and we improve that what then happens is we have um axial stability and once we've got well, i mean axle basically we've got our spine stable we've got our rib cage stable and we've got our pelvis stable if we've got these structures stable everything else will move much better. So that's kind of like, in a nutshell, of why I think about the breathing and much, much more, and how breathing comes into lifestyle. Because then, if you can, if you're positioned better in this breathing pattern, and you're more stable in certain areas, become more marble and others, pain starts to go away. Then you start getting happier with life because chronic pain sucks. Um, you can start doing the things you love. And it just, yeah, it just kind of like you start having time with your family, you're not in pain. And yeah, so hopefully that kind of answers your question.
0: Yes, it's answering. And definitely, um, you know, breathing would be uh, my top uh, choice as well. I would probably have a little bit uh, less uh, explanation to that uh, from biomechanical perspective. But my explanation uh, would be uh, in terms of how the energy is flowing, right, from the root until your Uh, your uh, top chakra right the spirit chakra right if we're going to talk from the side of Ayurveda right or how is supporting uh, your organs how is supporting uh, every single cell detoxification and uh, you know and you know and flow this would be my explanation because I think many people stucking, and I think stuckness often comes in this area and this is where all things are happening, right? And then we have to look at also how uh, organs and body part are connected, right? So when diaphragm is really lying in the middle of us and is connecting that organs from lower part of female body up to our heart, then to expression of ourselves through the thi- thyroid, your authentic voice, right? Then you've got the joy of being human and anything that comes outside of us right this is how breathing comes in my further explanation right so we are having very much two ways of explaining why breathing as a movement it is important (laughs) how does it sound a little bit more colorful in a different way right Nick
1: oh it's it's exactly how I feel about it as well and as I said that's why breathing is so important because it, it it covers everything and you know going on the energy flow as I said it cuts the body in half so if and that's the the blood flow and the and the lymphatic system basically your fluids travel through the diaphragm not around it it goes straight through it so if you have a and even your esophagus so your stomach so everything important runs through the middle through openings of your diaphragm so if your diaphragm is dysfunctional in some kind of way, then you're going to affect your digestion. You can have um, acid reflux. You can have, you know, issues with yeah. You, you know, your calves are always tight. Oh, so your calves are, are holding water. Well, if the if the fluid going through if there's a blockage, the diaphragm is contracted and it's holding it and there's no. We're not creating the pressure system to pump it back up. Could that be an issue? As you said, that kind of goes with the energy flow because, you know, chi, energy, whatever we want to call it, is, you know, there's something going on in us, spiritual or not. There's something, there's some kind of energy. Like I was at uni yesterday and the tutor pulled up this fantastic study. I'll send, I'll try, I don't know what it was, um, but she um, sent some pictures of it. And it was a study of a boy and a dog. And because, you know, when you walk into a room, people's energy suck you or they pick you up. This, so we had this dog. And so their heart rates, when they were apart, were erratic. It was kind of like, you know, they were, I was not erratic. They weren't the same. But when they came together and the dog laid on the kid, the heart rates actually synced into exactly the same beat. And... That's why we're trying to so talk about energy and everything. There's something going on in us which connects us, which connects this energy and its flow. But that breathing, if the if you have electrical currents which aren't flowing correctly, if your nervous system is sympathetic is thrown off because muscles are tight and you're in pain, if your fluids aren't flowing through the body correctly, and you're not getting nutrients to muscles or nutrients through the nervous system. You've got cortisol building up in your brain but, uh, make, you know because you're highly stressed that's, and you've got all this kind of stuff going on. Like you said, how is the body supposed to have this nice flow of energy, feel good when you've got all these blockages in us? So again, that's what breathing, that's why uh, you can talk about this kind of stuff for ages. Mechanically, it's, it's so important. Physiologically, it's important mentally it's important and also spiritually it's important it's like if you're not thinking about this in some sense like you know you don't have to be you know this is what i mean breathing got a bad rap because of yoga not because yoga's bad but because it went into that kind of hippie kind of side of things yeah. which is still not a bad thing but people saw it as in a negative image Where, as we just said, both of us, breathing just kind of brings back, you know, so much. Like I said, it's our most natural, most primal instincts. Everything's connected to it. So when you think of it like that, we need it for survival more than anything. Every tissue in our body needs it we need fluid pump, you know, how can we not think about it?
0: I think, you know, Nick, um, you mentioned this um, this bad rep, I think this also comes because for some reason we are, as a society, maybe not everyone, and I, again, I don't want to generalize, but we're so afraid of Western approaches of medicine and finding the root causes. Uh, working with a whole human being, just the body's parts, but I see that more and more people are open for this type of way of thinking, which is how medicine and art started from Hippocrates many, many years ago, so I think, uh, you know, slowly, slowly, I think we are on the move to hopefully a small change or bigger change, whatever change is going to be, but I think many, many people need this type of approach because uh, some form of approach uh, from allopathic medicine did not work and here we can find maybe solution for for them, uh, right? Um, Nick, let's talk here about core that is my <laughs> my question here i've sent you a few questions before and i'm sure when you saw this you were a little bit like oh yes that's a good question right because people are saying let's train core 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 and then they come in and they say let's do more sit-ups right and we both know that sit-ups is not uh core is not about sit-ups let's explain people what actually core means or means and what are your three tips for people who would like to improve the core, what they're supposed to do.
1: Okay. I don't, for me to answer it, it's kind of hard because I don't quite believe, I I use the word core more for a terminology so I can just get people's buy-in or at least they know I'm talking about the midsection. But I don't see there's so much of being a core because when you look at how, again, the diaphragm, hands down, you need it working. That's, that, to me, is the core. It's what I call the daddy. It's, if your diaphragm's not functioning, you can't stabilize it correctly, efficiently. You can't stabilize the body. The diaphragm actually contracts before we move. So if you were to raise your arm up, the diaphragm contracts it does it's not just a breathing muscle it's also a stabilizing muscle so as soon as we move the diaphragm and the tva actually contract wait like 20 milliseconds or something around 20 50 milliseconds before we actually raise our arm those two muscles will contract now they're contracting to stabilize because the diaphragm's connected to the lumbar spine and it's contracted and it's, and it's connected to um, the ribs mechanically and it's got a central ten, but it has all the visceral it's attached to it as well, as you explained earlier. So it kind of so it's there to stabilize. Then you've got the TVA, which is it's connected it's like a belt around us, which is connected as well. Now, the things I would say on this also people don't include in the core though that word core is also the internal because they're actually attached. They're very deep muscles, and they're actually attached um, entwined into the TVA now and the thoracolumbar fascia actually as well. so we've got this kind of massive fascial belt coming around us I'm just trying to it's just try, try to talk about this in the sense because what I'm trying to say is it's not really a case say a few muscles because when we look at our body stabilizing through motion, we've got this TVA which is going to hold our pelvis in position it's going to pull our pelvis back so not tva so tva and the internal obliques are going to help pass in the position so it's going to stabilize our pelvis
0: you're hitting the point point, because you are hitting the point because to be honest i didn't expect you answering this sit up part bending forward and back not at all you actually hitting my intuition, what your answer is going to be. That's why I have asked this question to lay, to um, take away from most of people understanding of what is core. When you're asking a trainer to train a core, trainer as yourself, they're not going to lie you down on this on the bosu <laughs> or swiss ball to do the sit-ups right they actually go into work with whole your body from the bottom to the top to set up stability and stabilis- stabilization plus the breathing plus maybe glute muscles, the small little bits to put you together so you're kind of working as a whole so you're kind of hitting the point nick here it,
1: it so because it's, this is when I talk about breathing drills. Breathing drills aren't breathing. Because if you don't breathe correctly, you're still given dysfunction. So the obliques, the internal oblique is such an important muscle. Because that's kind of, it's kind of part of these hamstrings which are holding us up. But in the obliques also are help, helping us hold ourselves up. And, it, and, it, and these obliques are going to put us, our pelvis and our ribs in the correct position to then be able to move properly. So it's like I said, it's all about positioning. So we need the diaphragm to be working to create pressure in the system, um, which is another, you know, we, you can go into that, but basically the way we brace, the way that our body creates tension in the body is creating different pressures in the body because we need to be able to be efficient in movement. We need to be able to um, create more pressure in us to stabilize us. So we need the diaphragm to work in that. The TVA needs to be working to do that so that's the correct breathing will manage that so then we've got these obliques that need to basically hold our rib cage and hold our pelvis into a position as well as you just mentioned so all that's connected still but then we've got to me if we can sort out if you have really strong glutes and lats and this connection through the thoracolumbar fascia most people If you get the connection between the glutes and the lats, really bloody strong, you'll normally find back pain will dissipate very low or at least to nothing. Like normally if someone's got an SI joint problem or stiffness in their back or SI joint problem, especially I can normally, you'll normally find that one of the opposite if you check the glutes and the opposite lat on both sides one of those will be weaker or not working efficiently and that connection through that through that back is what helps stabilize the low back this thoracolumbar fascia pulls to stabilize all this and you in this you know the fascia goes up into your traps as well your mid back it goes up higher than the fascia it's not just low back so you've got this fascia working as well to stabilize things like the lumbar spine and the SI joint. Then we have the obliques which are holding ourselves in position. So when you're talking about the core, we kind of I, I don't like it because we have all these things holding us in position. So when we talk about the core, to me, you're talking about making sure these movement, these muscles can work together in certain positions on one leg on a sagittal plane or rotational plane. So for instance, someone holding the plank, the plank, if done correctly, you can probably hold properly for about 20, 30 seconds, max. Absolutely. Like I can get someone shaking in 10 seconds doing the plank properly because what's happening in the plank, we're basically using, we're, we're creating the pressure in us, to hold us in the position of keeping our, if you look from like a vertical, horizontal to the vertical, our head will be over our thorax, our thorax will be over our pelvic cavity. So you have these things all level. You're then going to have the serratus firing up. You're going to have your pelvis tucked under, your obliques working, and you're going to be creating this tension. And most people can't hold that for more than 10 seconds without... Okay some of these things going out of position. So all these people holding them for like 60 seconds in, at the end of a session or in body pump classes, it's a load of crap. Because that to me is what's missing is this whole body um, core is kind of like a whole body tension. As I said, you can't have a core a dec- you know, without your glutes yes. and your lats firing. You can't have a core without your adductors and your external obliques firing. And what I'm talking about is these um, systems within the body, which work to create movement, create stability and to dissipate energy. So, you know, really, to me, the word core is completely crap. And it should just be, we, should, we need to be working on stability throughout the axial skeleton. But also if you want abs, call them abs just, i want to do yeah
0: yes this is what i i'm i was asking, i was actually thinking most of people who is asking about core they asking about the visible apps yeah. and that is a <laughs>
1: different completely different completely completely different yeah,
0: exactly because there are different reasons why the fat stays there obviously more, uh, optimization of movement and everything that we discussed and breathing is going to have impact on visibility of your apps, for example, by lowering the cortisol, right? Which then does not have storage around your belly as much, right? But this is completely different conversation. So I'm very happy that we kind of manage and you manage beautifully to shade away the idea of core. So when people seeing the core class, right, they actually is to revisit what do they want <laughs> here, right? Exactly. And and it. It. Nick, is there any connection? Uh, I think you mentioned a little bit about digestion and sleep, but I will ask once again this question. Is there connection between the way we sleep or digest food, just an example, and how we actually moving? Or how
1: we um, I think sleep... I think can, it depends on how bad it is. Like I think sleep does get a bit too much of a bad rep. Um, because
0: right
1: <laughs> Oh no, I mean, as in I think when it comes to the movement, when people like the amount of times I see it in clinic when I see people saying, "Oh yeah, um, just change the way you sleep." It's like, seriously, like if I'm sleeping on my front and I've got my head turned like this all night long, then yeah, that's not going to be good for anyone. But if it's horrendous, then yes, it's going to affect us. It's going to affect the way you breathe in your sleep. It's not going to be great. But that's only eight hours. There's a lot of other stuff we're doing for the rest of the day, or even less than that. People sleep for five or six hours. So looking at how, again, we breathe and we move throughout the day will help that. So the breathing also helps the way we sleep because if you get used to nose breathing, that will, when you're asleep, if you basically, if you wake up and your mouth is so, so dry, like really dry and it's like, oh my God, then that means your mouth breathing massively, which means you're not getting oxygen properly within your body, which means you're not going to wake up feeling that great if you wake up and your mouth's not bad then you know you're breathing more for your nose now your sleep position is going to affect that and i think that's going to be more important than actually the position to everyday life and vice versa except for as i said if it's really like lying on your front and if your neck turns turns to the side and 90 degrees is not it's like hands down every other position though i think's a bit i think you'd be fine i think it's more what you're doing on the days when you're awake and you're moving and everything else if you can move your neck absolutely fine throughout the day you can rotate your spine you're breathing correctly i don't think sleep's going to be too much too important to that as such um it will help it like if you have got back pain or if you have got pain, moving yourself in a position which feels better when you sleep could help. But again, I'm not sold on it hundred percent, but there's, you know, there's no, it's not like any studies on this or nothing. It's very much of a um, observation. People just go, oh, it's the way you sleep. But, but I just don't as think it's you, you much. Said,
0: as you said, if we're thinking of movement, uh, breathing, that breathing is a movement uh, because it's a muscle that is involved there actually this will have effect on on the sleep because will have effect on uh, whole body physiology and biology right so i yeah. don't think even we need studies here uh it's just a uh, common sense and exactly. probably similar with digestion of our food right I have many clients who tells me, you know, I have a constipation and I said, do you move? And they don't, they beginning to move. And suddenly blood flow is enabled the liver and all digestive system to be optimal. And you know, they beginning to digesting food better. So I think one thing comes from the other things, but maybe because, um, maybe sometimes people don't think that way because it's simple. Right. And then is where how we started our conversation We starting uh, to search for more and more and more, which, yes, it is important. And that is why I started to practice uh, functional medicine nutrition. Sometimes you have to dig deeper, but you need to have also the basic foundations. You know, you have to move (laughs) if you want feel better. You cannot just keep taking supplements, magnesium or whatever that is going to help you. But if you move, um, and that is what I stated on on the course, uh, my online course that I am just about to launch at some point, that if I had to pick one thing from all this lifestyle thing, or uh, not lifestyle thing, it would be movement. I think the benefits of movement on our human body is just what we meant to do. I don't know what would be yours. If you had to pick nutrition, movement, food, sleep, or whatever. I don't know. Do you have any favorite one?
1: No, we're supposed to do everything. We're supposed to move. And, we're, and when you talk about movement, I'm not even talking about training. I'm not even talking about doing anything like that because that's something completely different. But we are supposed to move. We're, we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to walk long distances. I don't mean just, we are made to either walk for like 10 hours or we're made to sprint away from something in a short time we're not made to jog
0: I'm laughing that's why everyone, because that's what my little daughter Chiara does she's running all the
1: time yeah it's you it's walk or you sprint you, you don't you, you don't do way you kind of go or you walk for a long time we're not supposed to jog we're supposed to just pick things up. We're, supposed, we're not supposed to be bench pressing. We're not supposed to be squatting. We're supposed to just literally pick things up, put them down, you know, reaching above our heads, just doing everyday stuff. So movement, as you said, like walking is a big thing, like to, to, for digestion. Like I can guarantee you if you're constipated or you don't have, you, or you don't, um, your bowels don't work that well. If your nutrition is on point, it's probably your lack of movement, lack of rotation, lack of blood pumping for the body. If you don't move, you don't pump blood. Well, obviously you do pump blood as your die. but as in you don't pump enough around the body, you don't get it really flowing around the body. You, you, know, you need it going go through the guts. And that's where the sympathetic nervous system comes in because if you're highly stressed all the time, you're breathing incorrect, you're highly stressed. Then you're basically shutting the blood flow down. So what's walking? Walking is a very parasympathetic state. So now you're calming down. You're relaxing. Blood's now going back to the gut. So that's why if you can go out, especially in these times, make sure you're going out every single day. Get some daylight. Get some fresh air for like an hour walk at least. Um, Get that walk in. Try and relax. Have some good music on, podcast, or have a laugh. What you'll find is you'll go for a walk, start to relax, sit down on the bench, just breathe for five minutes, you know, just relax, and you'll probably go. You'll probably get home needing some poop because you started to relax. The blood starts to go back into your gut, starts to digest food a little bit more, and then all of a sudden you need a poop. And that's the thing, movement just creates this whole movement balance in the body, breathing, movement, and relaxing. So, when it comes down to if you want to go through life fit and healthy, we have to like stress is good for us, but it's also obviously, as we know, it can damage us badly. And it's a case of balancing the two, everything's balance. And there's no, the only things I would say that we need to make sure we can do is we need to breathe correctly. We need to get our sleep and we need to move and we need to balance our stress. The best people, the best sportsmen out there, the most efficient people out there are the ones who can switch from stress and parasympathetic. Yes. They're the ones who achieve? Who can go through like that? You watch sportsmen. They were like, you know, let's look at um, Pal, fastest man ever. He's like joking around. He's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's like, straight in, boom. And then as soon as he wins, he's like, yeah. You know, you look at SAS guys. They'll be in that. Be in a really high stress situation. They can just calm themselves down, react to what they have in front of them. So that's what we have to do in our life. We have to find this balance of, okay, I'm not going to tell you not to be a CEO or a lawyer anymore. I'm not going to tell you not to have five children. That's all your decision. But just know it's going to be fucking stressful. (laughs) So where is your de-stress? Where are we going to put into your life the balance of where we can calm you how, what is calming going to be training is training going to be out is yoga is going for a 20 K run is lifting a 200 K dumbbell. What's your outlet? Where's that peace of mind? Where's your happy place? Where's your time alone? And these are the things I think people are missing in this day and age of this grind grind people, you know, and if you want to achieve great things, you are going to be stressed but we just have to make sure that you can switch. Like my wife's very good at it now. And it's taken a long time to learn how to do it. She's a very successful businesswoman and it's taken, she's gone through very stressful times and illnesses and everything through stress. But I'm not going to sit there and tell her to quit. I've actually pushed her forward <laughs> because it's not a case about quitting. Too many people in this lifetime are too easy to quit. It's about learning how to switch off how to bring, you know, sort that stress out, sort the anxiety out. We've all got, we've all got like anxiety. We all get the stress. We all get the anxiety. We all get down at times. We all get sad, demotivated. How do we manage this? And that's the thing. Not many people have the coping mechanisms um, to actually deal with stress because stress is not the bad thing. Stress is not the, stress is not the devil it's our ability to cope with said stress, which is the devil. Stress can kill you literally hands up can fucking kill you, but it's not stress itself. It's your ability not to no does not have coping strategies in place to handle that stress. And that's where I think a lot of trainers they'll tell some 25 year old trainer or we'll just say to some, to say to a CEO with five children, oh, "You have to relax more, or you just start reading, or do it." It's like you got to be a bit more imaginative, and you got to get a bit more into someone's mindset to be able to create. Because de-stressing is different for everyone. Everyone's coping mechanisms are different to everyone. This goes back to what we said to begin with. We, you you've got to kind of know people's histories, their mindsets, because. Like I said, I've sent two or three clients now to go and see therapists like um, shrinks or therapists and stop paying me. And I said, look, I need you to go and see these people first because we can't go further. I can't take you any further until you've sorted this stuff because something back here in the brain is causing your mid level is it's causing your low level stress which is causing our low-level inflammation and our anxiety, something's causing that. We've done what we can, but I can't, I can't morally take your calories lower. I can't push you harder in the gym. I can't do anything. I can't help you. And, and I've had people go away and come back to me because they've dealt with it or they've now got coping mechanisms to deal with it. Because that's the other thing. I know we're going to topic a bit deeper here, but that's the other thing as well. People don't realize it's okay to have these feelings and, it's, and we all get these feelings and everything else. And it's not a case about fixing ourselves. It's a case of coping mechanisms of when these feelings or when these situations arise that we have within ourselves to deal with. So I'd highly remember the question. We've gone off topic but kind I of it's
0: all re- i think it's all uh, relevant um you know we're talking about the parasympathetic nervous system i just only wanted to mention that is the system that works uh at the night and we are especially what nick wanted to say for the last 2020 and 2021 is continuing we all in that Uh, more sympathetic mode, which is triggering our nervous system into fight-and-flight response when we are constantly stressed. That's why he said go out and have a walk because walk is uh, switching your parasympathetic nervous system, so you have nice balance between uh, both uh, of systems, so you can relax. And I agree with you, uh, Nick, we cannot uh, take from our life if we are trying to achieve something or either not trying to achieve something. We cannot uh, take uh, uh, pain, uh, sacrificing maybe hours we don't sleep or uh, difficult moments, life moments, right? We just, this is life. But what we need to put in on the buffet of the lifestyle tools we have available to us is how we are coping with, with stress and what we do and how we are aware that actually stress is affecting us. Because I think many, uh, many people are like, when I'm asking question, how stress affecting you? Oh, I'm fine. Hmm. I said, and that's what I've heard from one of the functional medicine uh, practitioners on my education journey. When people answering you, I'm fine. Actually, there are those people who are needing your help because uh, management of that is not meaning suppression and saying, I'm fine. Maybe they are not aware of uh, effects of stress internal or external, right? We need to also say that different ways that body can get stress, right? Is We are all a little bit different. Um, so I think all what you're saying is very, very relevant. And I hope people pick in little bits uh, for them. Nick, um, That's what I picked from one of your (laughs) Instagram posts, I think. You said that for a long-term health and fitness, we need four fitness qualities. And I will just go read those qualities, but please just give a few lines of description. What did you mean exactly? Mobility and stability, capacity, strength, and body composition. I really like the set that you've got here. Give us a little bit of view. Uh
1: Mobility and stability, straight up, is going to basically mean that our our joints and our movement is efficient without pain, um, or limited pain. As I said, I don't want to go through saying you should never be in pain. It's whatever. But limited pain and efficient movement for the for what you want to do. If you want to be a powerlifter, cool. We only need to hit ninety degrees. sweet. We need to be stable in the legs. If you want to train on ninja athlete, whatever it's called. There's different things. So basically whatever we need to, to achieve what you want, then you need the capacity. So you fitness, you know, we need the capacity, the aerobic capacity to be fit and healthy, to fight low level inflammation, to, um, to be mentally strong, to get oxygen around the body, low blood pressure, resting heart rate, all this kind of stuff. Basically capacity is your health, your fitness. Then. On top of that, we have, what was it, strength?
0: Strength, You need yes.
1: strength. Now, strength, strong muscles, like there's so many studies out there now saying that, you know, a strong grip is one of the best things for health longevity. You've got strong, like, this, Well, biggest killer is um, is hip fractures. For older people now if you got strong around your hips more mobility more stability you wouldn't fall over and you're stronger and you won't have so much of these issues you wouldn't hit, fracture your hip even if you did if you did you being strong and mobile and a bit stable you wouldn't fall over as much but then even if you did being stronger would help that also strength strength training increases your bone density so less likelihood as you get older especially females Yes. Um training training weights helps bone densities. Now, so the big killer is hip fractures. So now if you're 60, 70 years old and you've been training for 20, 30 years, the bone density is going to be higher. You're not going to be as weak and falling over or less stable. And you're gonna and if you do fall over, your bones won't break and you're gonna be more and your muscles are gonna basically ligaments are gonna hold you in place. So strength training is very important for long-term longevity and longevity. And the other things that having muscle does, you know, as I said, again, low, low-grade inflammation, it uh, brings down and metabolism and all this other stuff. So having muscle is fantastic. Then you have what was the last one? It was body
0: composition.
1: Body composition. If you're overweight and then a day. I'm a big believer. I don't care. Yes, it's all about body positivity, but at the same time, there is unhealthy. And when you get to the point that your fat is unhealthy, if you're limiting your movement, if you can't walk properly, if you've got back pain, if you've got all these other things, limiting your movement and range of motion because you're overweight, that's an issue. Then you've got things of low grade um, inflammation because you're going to be highly stressed. You're going to be stressing your organs you're going to be stressing your immune system is going to be low. So you're going to have disease. Then you're going to have, you're going to have things like osteoporosis and things like that. So all these things are basically going to kick you in the ass when you're older. Yes. You might be, you know, you find yourself attractive. Other people might find you attractive, but health wise, it's not good. Then we also have that fat in its own self is an endocrine, um, cell. And then it basically is going to produce inflammatory markers. Inflammatory markers. Okay. We won't go into this and, and Daria can do a lot better. It's, a, it's a long
0: story. Long story uh, shortening.
1: You, it's you another do, podcast exactly. here. Exactly. And you, you could do that way better than I can with your functional medicine stuff. Way better. But all I'll say on that is inflammation is what leads to all diseases. Yes. Every disease out there starts with inflammation. So, you know, you can go into autoimmune diseases. We we can hit into, you know, basically straight up cancer. We can throw all these things at you and say it's inflammation. So, you know, brain, they're talking about Alzheimer's and all this inflammation. Everything comes down to inflammation. So, if someone's body composition is not sufficient, you're basically kind of asking for disease so yeah. if you want long-term health and fitness if you have all, the, all these things work together to give us health and our fitness and then once you've got these at a good level that's when we can go right what can we do with our bodies what can we achieve i want to do some cool shit with my body i want to run across patagonia I want to, you know, do three marathons in three days. I want to, you know, whatever it is, do do an Ironman, you know, when I'm 50. Okay, cool. But if you haven't got these kind of things in you, if you haven't got the capacity, you'll get injured because your body will get tired, your technique will go, and you'll get injured. If you haven't got strength in the ligaments and the tendons and the bones, you could get stress. That's why people get stress fractures in their tibia and that because I haven't got the bone density because i have gone from doing nothing for 30 years to then starting running on the streets and wonder why they've got stress fractures it's because you should have been slowly building stuff up over yeah. years and being strong so all these little things ligaments and tendons snap because you haven't built up the strength so you've got all these things where if you want long term you need to get this under your belt then you start to okay what can we achieve but That's why I hold those four things in place for long-term success. Yes. Because I think without one of them, something will collapse. Something will break.
0: I I think it's uh, it's, it's perfect. Uh, And I think... Um, that's actually what science says. That's what human feeling will also confirm, right? To build up uh, that way instead of just going straight into one on the other one or prioritize one on the other one. I think they're all very important. And actually what I love... They
1: all work together.
0: And they work together, yes. It is the same as they human body. We, yes, you cannot just separate brain from your gut. They, We know that they are connected. You cannot separate thyroid from, um, you know, female hormones. They all working together, right? Then they connected back to uh, brain. What I think is amazing, Nick, that you mentioned, and this is another topic, another discussion, is also how it's important that female lifting weights and that they should not be afraid of lifting weights, especially those generation of female, probably my age, 40, little bit higher, who have been growing in this idea that this is bad this is going to make them bigger but actually they are hitting age 50 they're hitting menopause and they waking up with like a sudden gain of fat without the lean muscle mass and that is predisposing them to so many negative, negative health effects. Nick, I will be wrapping up here with my last uh, question. Um, tell me, what is that just one thing you could uh, advise everyone to do if they are thinking to improve their uh, and optimize their movement, body movement?
1: In, uh, improve their breathing mechanics. Improve As breathing we said before, this is basically, and when I say breathing mechanics, is rib expansion. Mm-hmm. Just see if anyone's confused, look it up or whatever. But you, we want our ribs to be moving, not belly breathing. We want our so ribs to be So you're
0: breathing that, you're expanding in yeah. and out. And
1: if, if you can increase that, you'll feel a lot of things in the body be better.
0: Fantastic. Nick, thank you. How can we find you? How can you? Where are you?
1: <laughs> I am the two, the two easiest places. Also, oh, so I have um, Nick, the Rebel Coach, underscore Rebel Coach um on instagram um i have my website um and then i've got my podcast which is uh Webbles fitness Rebels radio so uh, there are three places that you can find me
0: fantastic Nick, thank you so much uh, i think it was uh, very deep uh, very um Lots of explanations, lots of great knowledge, lots of things that are now and not anymore, right? Like you said, it's not anymore hippie uh, to uh, breathe well. Um, I wish you all the best for the rest of the day and uh, happy new year as well, Nick. Thank no you so much.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Take care.